It's good to see you here today. I want to let you know, I want to bring up a point before we get started. Uh, as you can tell, if you look around you, we have a little outbreak of flu going around. And I want to encourage everybody that if you feel bad, I promise you it's okay that you stay home. You know, I often tell people that there's a difference between wanting to go to church and can't, and can go to church and don't want to. So I encourage you, if you're sick, to please pray for the, or stay home. We, we will love you. We'll reach out to you. Let us know. But pray for those that are missing today because this really affected a lot of people. And as y'all have heard, uh, unfortunately, one of our, our state is one of the worst hit right now with the flu. So please continue to pray because we have a lot of people here that's been affected by it. And you say, Chad, why are you so adamant on it? I'll tell you why. But the first year I was here, maybe some of you remember, <clears throat> some of you may not, but my first year here, I had the flu. Well, I felt better that Sunday. Well, I came to church and preached, and I took out half the congregation. And everybody let me know that. So, therefore, I, I'm really adamant on that. So, please, if you're not feeling well, watch us online. And for those that are, we thank you for this. And we do appreciate your attentiveness. And please continue to pray for those that are out. What I would like to talk to you about is Hebrews chapter 7. Now, Hebrews chapter 7 is what I call the pinnacle of Hebrews. It is the high point. This is a point that we must really spend some time focusing on. If you remember, when I went through the book of Revelation, I spent a lot of time in the different views of what people believe before I got into the context, or before I got into the text of the message and, and really got into it because there are different views and varying things. Now, I'm not going to do per se the same thing here in, in Hebrews chapter 7, but I want to be a little more ex explanative about what's going on and informative because this is something you have to get. The writer of Hebrews was trying to make a point, and he makes it here. This is the pinnacle. Let me give you an example. This is called maturity. If you've ever studied eagles, eagles do something very interesting. We was talking about this a little earlier in, the, in, in this morning. Eagles, when they build a nest, they will build it with rocks, thorns, and thistles for its base. They build a solid foundation of the hardest, most prickly stuff they can. Then they'll begin to pad the nest with fur and wool and leaves and things to make it soft for their eggs. Well, after the eggs have hatched and the eagles begin to grow, they get comfortable in their home. So what the mother eagle will do is begin to pluck the bottom out of it to make it uncomfortable so the babies will fly. So here's my point, okay? What we're going to study today is a very important point of maturity when it comes to the born-again believer. And we're going to talk about the priesthood of Melchizedek. If you have your Bibles, please stand with me. If you do not, you can read from the screen as we'll read Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 10. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who made a, met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham appointed a tenth, apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. 
and those indeed, the sons of Levi, who received the priest's office, have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham, and the blessed the one who had promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes. But in the case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. You may be seated. We are introduced to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. If you study the Old Testament, you'll see that Abraham would engage these groups of kings and rescue Lot. Okay? He destroys, his army destroys these men. And as he comes back, he's met by Melchizedek, who is a priest and a king. Now, if you've studied anything in Old Testament history, what you will find out is the office of king and priest, God forbid. You could not be a king and a priest. As a matter of fact, if you'll read 1 Samuel chapter 3, Saul tried to do this. And Saul lost favor with God. As a matter of fact, you'll find it also in 2 Chronicles 26, King Uzziah. He decided to burn incense in the temple. That was strictly forbidden. He was stricken with leprosy. And it was what God looked down on. So the office of priest and king was not something that was allowed. This, however, with Melchizedek, is something different. Now look at the text in chapter 1 as we go through this. Or chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, for this Melchizedek, he's going back to chapter 6 as we had spoken about. He's going back that the the great priesthood, if you will, Jesus Christ, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. That's what he's referring to. Genesis chapter 14. He said, Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now I want you to understand that the word Melchizedek means righteousness. His name means righteousness. Salem, which would be Jerusalem, means Peace. You find that interesting. I'll tell you why. Because for you first to have peace, you must have righteousness. You ever thought about that? There must be righteousness before there is peace. So his name means righteousness. And he's king of Salem, which means peace. The priest of the most high God. Who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. To whom also Abraham apportioned the tenth part of all the spoils. Now see, we have been, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've been going through giving. Now, like I've told many people, and you've heard me say this, in my 23 years of ministry, I've preached on tithing a handful of times. Some people ask me to go through what is biblical giving. I'll have been going through that on Wednesdays. We have wrapped it up. But if you were here on Wednesdays, you'll remember that Abraham or give 10% to Melchizedek. And here's the point I want to make. Melchizedek, who blessed Abraham, who received the tithe from Abraham, Abraham was not commanded to give Melchizedek 10%. 
He did it out of his own free will. Now, when we talk about the tithe, we talk about the Levites. You see, the Levites, who were descendants from Levi, which is Abraham's great-grandson, were commanded by law, the people were, to give the Levites 10%. Why? Because they were not a portion of section of land. From this tribe came your priest. So it was a tax among the Jewish people to pay the Levites. They would also take up a money for, for festivals. They'd also take up, I believe, every other year, a tax or the tithe for the poor. But, however, when we were talking about this, Abraham gave out of his own free will to Melchizedek, his spoils, not of his income, his spoils. Why? Because he recognized that Melchizedek was worthy. This is very important. That Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, Abraham recognized, and give him a tenth of the spoils. And it says, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and also king of Salem, which is king of peace. He recognized this. Look at the next part of the verse. Next slide, please. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains priest perpetually. This is very important. Okay? People who have asked me, who is Melchizedek? Now, there's a lot of scholars that have debated over this. Some will say it's a Christophany from the Old Testament. It is Christ in the Old Testament. But listen, don't get bogged down with a specific identity, but to understand he is a picture of Jesus. He is a picture of Jesus. And here's the thing. He has no father or has no mother. He does not have any genealogy. He has no beginning or end of his life. See, goes on forever. Now, if you'll remember, and this is the point that I wanted you to understand, not to get fixated on this, was this. Here he is being explained to the Hebrew church. It is under persecution, and he began in chapter 5. If you remember, he began explaining Melchizedek, but he stopped because the people were not mature enough to understand it. This is why I call it the pinnacle of the book of Hebrews in chapter 7, because now he addresses the mature. Do you remember when I was talking about salvation, and I was talking about be warned that you do not fall away? See, he had referred to Melchizedek in this passage, but there were some that were not ready to hear it because they did not understand. That's why I told you I believed and affirmed that I believed that he was talking to unbelievers in this passage. He brings up Melchizedek, but then he stops because the people didn't get it. This is why I want to focus on this this morning, that we get it. You see, understand that the whole point of Hebrews, what the writer was doing, was saying that Christ is superior to all. He begins with the angels, he begins with the prophets, he begins with Moses, whom the Jews saw were great people. And then he talks about Abraham, the father of the people, if you will. How great Abraham was, but yet even Abraham and his greatness is not superior to Christ. You see, it's amazing that the people that we worship, listen to me. I guarantee you that through time, that you have had a favorite pastor. You've had a favorite preacher. You've had a favorite evangelist. You may have had somebody that you looked up to. 
And a lot of times that we treat humans like they're God. Would you agree? That's why I've often said, listen, that people have put more faith in people than they have the Word of God. That a lot of what we've heard about the Bible, the lot of, a lot of what we have learned about Scripture is not what we've studied ourselves, but what somebody else has regurgitated and we took it as gospel. Listen to me. The only one worthy of worship is Jesus. And the point that the writer is making here is this. These are great men, but they cannot compare to the greatness of Christ. Look what he says. He is made like the Son of God. Now, people say, well, this was Jesus again in the Old Testament appearing before the Bethlehem birth. But I want you to look at text. He was made like the Son of God. Here's my point. Regardless of what the, the writer is trying to prove, is, regardless of what you may think the writer is trying to prove, what he's trying to show you is this. This great high priest whom Abraham, their father, give to, don't even compare to Christ. Christ is superior. Why is this important? Because you have to understand for this Jewish culture, this, 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 these people, the priesthood was it. The priests were the men. You see, because they, would, they were the intermediators between man and God. They're ones that went to God for man. And But you have to understand, look what he says. He says, or you got to understand what he, what he said. Go to the next slide. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I want, I want everybody to get this. When Abraham gave him a tenth, you know, he gave him what he had. He gave him out of his spoils. But verse 6 says, but the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. As great as Abraham was, he still paid Melchizedek money, his spoils, because Melchizedek was worthy. Father Abraham gave Melchizedek money. He gave him his worship. And you have to get the fact that, look, even though, just like the Jewish people, hold people in high regards, no man can be held to the standard of Christ. Period. There's a lot of people that I admire and love. If anybody asks me who I like to look, read, who I like to study, I will tell you. I love Charles Spurgeon. I love Leonard Ravenhill, Paris Reedhead, some of these people you may not have heard of. I love these men. But these men were flawed. And I cannot build my faith in the foundation of what I am upon men. It must be built upon Christ. Because the priests, as great as they were, they still were imperfect men. And as I told you before, where it says Melchizedek goes on forever, the priest, his lineage would die, wouldn't it? Even though they were descendants from the tribe of Levi, from the line of Aaron, they were still mortal men. And they died. And what they would do, as I've shared with you before, the priest, when they would bring the sacrifice, the priest would put his hands upon it, therefore transferring guilt. And blood would be shed to cover the sins. They covered them, but only Christ can take them away. There's a big difference. And look what he says. 
the Levites or have commanded in the law to collect a tenth from the people. That is, their brethren. Although these are descended from Abraham, they were commanded to give a tenth. And they're Abraham's descendant, but the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one whom had the promises. But look at verse 7. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes. Look at the next slide. But in the case one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes. For he is still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. In other words, since Abraham acknowledged and gave to Melchizedek, Levi, which is the great-grandson, also gave to him. There must be a, a clear understanding of what's going on here, and I hope to spell it out so we have a clear picture. Everybody needs a priest. Now, you've heard me say that. Now, what do you mean? And I want to clear this up real quick, okay? Now, we have different religions that say you have to go to the priest. They still hold that title. There is no earthly priest that can forgive your sins before God. Now, I want, you to, I want to be clear on this. I don't care how great, and this gets me in trouble, but it's fine. There's no preacher or no pope can save you. Period. It's impossible. Now, we confess our sins one to another, that we may be held accountable, like James talks about, to help one another grow. Now, if I sin against you, I need to ask you for forgiveness. But you cannot forgive my eternal state. Do you see what I'm, where I'm going with this? So when you go into this booth to confess to this man who will tell you to do certain things, that is 100% unbiblical. Because of the blood of Christ, this is what he's doing here, making this point. We have become a priest to the believers, which means this, we can go to the great high priest who can forgive us of our sins. The priesthood is done from man's standpoint, from the earthly standpoint. The law has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And you can go to Him directly. Well, He told me that I needed to do this and do this and do this. Let me tell you something. I don't care what He told you to do. He will not save your soul from hell. Only Christ can. And this is where it becomes the maturity. And this is where we need to understand as believers that look, Jesus is the great high priest. Not only did he intercede for us, he is interceding for us now. He is forever like Melchizedek. He is on and on. His lineage does not die because he is the son of the eternal God. He is the foundation in which we build. And if we do not get this, the rest of Hebrews in the Bible, it does not matter. Because the price paid for sin has to be with blood. And it's not the blood of animals that will bring reconciliation, but the blood of the pure blood of Jesus Christ can only save you from your sin. But you see, it's very easy. Listen to me. It's very easy that once you're indoctrinated, to stay on the same course. Now think about this. Here are these that were, that were changed and saved 
from Judaism to Christianity. And like I told you before, there was a remnant in there that was listening, that were maturing. But they were those who were saying, no, you need to come back to the sacrificial system. This is what we've always done. Never will forget a church I pastored for years. They had a sign hanging in their vestibule. It said, if you always do what you always done, you'll always be where you always been. And I brought that up one day in a church meeting. The person said, where did you hear that at? I said, from your sign? And they didn't even know it was back there. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. And see, what happens here is this. There were some that didn't know better because they wouldn't listen. But he's saying, look, the men that you hold in great regard are inferior to Christ. Melchizedek, who you know, who you've heard the story, your word, your Old Testament that you hold so dear talks about Christ. Jesus is the great high priest. And look what he says. There's three points through this. Abraham was blessed because he paid homage to Melchizedek. He knew he was worthy. You see, here's the thing. He wasn't commanded to. He did it of his own free will. Let me ask you this. Do you do something in worship for God, whether it's giving of your time, whether it's your money, because you feel obligated to, because you feel guilty if you don't, or you do it because you know he's worthy to be given to? You see, I often tell people, again, I'm not preaching on giving. By no means. Done, done that, through with it, we press on. Let me tell you something, though. Listen to me. Christ is worthy of every aspect of your being. Everything. Everything that you have, he is worthy for it to be given to. You know, I often tell people, If you give out of regret or out of force, being forced to do so, then keep it in your pocket. Because let me tell you something. For those who love Christ, don't give because they feel they're pressured or forced. They give because they love him. Amen? Number two, remember this. Those priests... All that were great men, according to Scripture, died. You realize that? All preachers will die. I will die. And like I've said before, I ain't the greatest preacher in the world by no means. There's many people who preach the gospel better than I can. But nobody can preach a better gospel than I can because there's only one. And God will use that for his glory. But I want you to understand, be careful who you think you love and worship. Men can become idols. The only one worthy of worship is Jesus. I'm not saying it's wrong to listen to people as long as they're biblical. But we don't worship men. We worship Christ. Because he is eternal and he never dies. I want you to look at the last point this morning. And get on the floor level to say this. 
Do you realize, I mean this with a question, that you need a high priest? This is the maturity point that I got to ask you. Do you realize that you all need a priest? Because understand that just like the Old Testament priest covered the sins, they put a blanket on it. Jesus Christ takes it away. And see, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the judgment that we are due, listen to me, the wrath reserved in heaven for us, reserved in the presence of God for us, the wrath that we deserve has been poured upon his son. The Bible says he was crushed for us because there had to be a price of blood paid. Sins can only be paid for with blood. But those men were unpure. Those animals, they're unpure and not good enough. But Christ is pure. He that knew no sin became sin that we may be free. Do you believe that today? I want you to understand this is the thing. Guys, if we don't understand the position of Jesus Christ, the rest of it doesn't make any difference because you're not going to get it. If we don't understand who Jesus is, I think it was R.C. Sproul that said this. He said, the biggest danger to the church today is the lack of teaching Christology. The lack of teaching the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because so many times, this is Chad, I'm adding this. He didn't say this. Because so many times we have took the gospel and the person of the work of Jesus Christ and turned it into six flags over Jesus. That if I can get you to nod and say, uh-huh, to a certain point, when I ask you a question, then I'll smack you on the back and say, welcome to the family, brother. And that's unbiblical. We must, like Melchizedek's name was righteousness and peace, understand that only righteousness can be found through Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is but filthy rags. So is mine. I have no righteousness. I have told you many times, and listen, it's the same way with you. I am not a good man. If somebody, when I die, whether I'll be laying in here or the mortuary, if somebody gets up and says, Chad was a good man, then I want you to walk up and smack him. Because I am not a good man. There's no good in me. The only good in me is Jesus Christ who lives in me. Period. I'm flawed. I am not a good man. My righteousness is but filthy rags. But my unrighteousness was made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, my high priest. And if you have placed your faith and trust in him, you that are unworthy have been made worthy. And now you have peace. You see, the very interesting thing about that is I see so many people searching for peace. I just wish I had a little peace. You go on vacation, I'm looking for a little peace and quiet. I'm hoping I can find just that moment of peace. You hear? Moment. You may have a moment of tranquility, but I can promise you, no matter how far you go, no matter what you do without Christ, you'll never have eternal peace. No, it's not going to happen. 
But through Jesus Christ, regardless of what circumstance comes my way, I know this, that I have eternal peace. Because he that saved me and give me righteousness through him will sustain me and give me peace everlasting. I must ask you this morning, do you know that if you laid your head down tonight and it be your last night, would you be in the presence of Christ? Do you know that? You say, Chad, you talk about the gospel every Sunday. Absolutely, and I'll continue to God takes me home because I'll never make an assumption that anybody is right before God. I do not know that, and I will not lie at anybody's funeral, and I don't want anybody lying at mine. I know this, that the only way to have reconciliation with God is through the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who you can ask for forgiveness, who will cleanse you and change you and give you a new nature. Do you know that today? It's not about whether you've said a prayer. It's not about whether you were baptized. I was baptized a couple times before I was truly saved. I went to the water a dry center and I came out a wet one. My life never changed. It's not about whether mom and dad have gone to church. It's not about whether you've been grandfathered, whether you've been brought up. It's not whether you know all the right answers. You know the scary thing about that, my wife would tell you. See, I grew, grew up around a lot of people and knew a lot of biblical knowledge. And so did I. But I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. But I pray, listen, I pray that you have sought the forgiveness of God through his son Jesus Christ. And here's the great thing. Listen to me. If you ask his forgiveness, he's merciful and will forgive you. Do you understand that? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Chad, you don't know what I've done. You're exactly right. You don't know what I've done either. But I know this. As John Newton said, there's two things. My mind's fading, but there's two things I remember very clearly. Number one, I'm a horrible sinner. But number two, Christ is a wonderful Savior. Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? And placing your trust in Jesus Christ does not mean believing he exists. I share with this a lot. Of course he exists. But placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ means committing to him. It means holding to him in all aspects of your being. And knowing this, that he is who he says he is. Do you believe that today? I pray that you do. Because this is how this applies to us, this text. Knowing that our mediator is Jesus Christ, not some man, not some preacher. You know, many times I've had people, believe it or not, come up to me and say, Chad, he saved me. Who? Well, that preacher, he's the one that's, he didn't save you. Christ saved you. Christ alone saves and what he's saying, it's not the descendants that make you who you are. It's the blood of Jesus Christ who makes you who you are. And that's the whole point. And I pray today that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can. I've said many times, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. 
And I promise you there's people here that love to share you the gospel of Christ. Second thing is this. Do you surrender everything that you are to him? I know there may be some of you who place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you're saying, you know, look, Chad, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with prayer. I'm struggling with studying the Bible. I'm study, uh, struggling with when to come to church. You know, I, what do you put priority over Christ? I think it was Adrian Rogers that once said, if you don't have enough faith to get to church, I doubt that same faith will get you into heaven. Listen to me. Here's my point. What do you struggle with? You say, well, I struggle with this. Well, you've had, have you prayed to God about it? Have you prayed to the Lord? You can go to Him directly through Jesus Christ. Have you prayed about it? Seek His face. Speak to Him. Open His Word. Let Him speak to you. His Word will not return void. Every one of us at one time or the other or will at one time or the other struggle. That's when we need to be on our knees. But not only on our knees when we're struggling, we need to be on our knees when we're not struggling. Because as I've told you many times, you either head toward a furnace, you're in a furnace, or you're going to come out of one. That's a fact. But Christ is still the same. The Christ that protected them in the furry furnace will protect you if you believe. You've got to believe. So that being asked this morning, I will never head bowed, never eye closed. I am not one to try to force people to come up and pray. I'm not one to try to get or co coerce somebody into saying something Salvation is a work of God, not the work of Chad. But I pray that you search your heart and see where you stand with him. And I promise you the same Jesus Christ that saved my soul can save yours. Brothers and sisters, you here today again, you, you are born again believer, but you're struggling on that maturity bus. Let us help you take the next step. Let us grow in Christ. Study His Word. Seek His face in prayer. Fellowship with other believers. We need each other. The church are the people, not a building. And God has created us to be family. As we take a few moments and pray, whether you're there, whether you want to come up front, whether you want to stay where you are, search your heart. Where do you stand this morning? Please don't let this day pass you by. Because if there's one thing certain, life treats us all differently. But one day death's going to treat us all the same. Where do you stand? Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this morning. Thank you so much for the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much that we have a mediator who does not end, who is eternal, who because of his blood, we have been reconciled to you for all those that believe. God, I pray that as born again believers, we seek your face continually. That Lord, we develop an urgency to share the good news that saved us. God, I pray today that if there is one that does not have a relationship with you, that you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. Lord, I do not have the ability to raise the dead. You did not come to make bad men good. You came that dead men may live. And God, I pray that you'd convict hearts. Draw them unto you, Lord. Lord, I pray today for those who are believers, who are struggling, as we often say on the struggle bus, but God, you did not change us that we would be chained, but that we would be free. And Lord, I pray that whatever may be the, stag, uh, the stumbling block that is placed before us, that it be removed. Lord, that they would develop an urgency again to spend more time in prayer, spend more time in word, spend more time sharing with family and friends the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for this church. I pray that, Lord, we would have the urgency and people would see us as a beacon of light. That when people see us, it's not because of our building, it's not because of our facilities or whatever programs we have, but people see us as people who love Jesus and love one another. Lord, I pray that through our ministry, our message, that, Lord, you would raise up disciples. Disciples, preachers, evangelists. Lord, that we would go on and spread the word joyfully. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body of believers Lord, I pray today that for those many that are missing, that are sick, that, Lord, you touch their bodies, that they would be back rejoicing and praising you with us soon. Lord, I pray for protection. That, Lord, you would cover us all with that ironclad hedge. But, God, regardless of what we go through, we understand that sometimes or many times you say no. And we don't always get the result that we pray for. But that we come to an understanding like Paul that we are to be content in all circumstances because we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Stand and worship with us, please.